0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Conversations from a Room. And I'm your host, Paul Giamatti. For today's episode, I sit down with Miami artist Julian Alicia, a man who does it all, a jack of all trades, if you will. As always, we discuss film, music, books, and how all these things inspire us as artists and human beings. After the episode, take a look at his Instagram page and website to see his self-created projects, including Brainwave, a business he started to offer creative services, along with his latest project, Test of Time Miami. A calendar, book, and document series coming out soon so check out the links on the episode page to learn more about julian and his creative endeavors but enough said get your shit ready because here's a brand new episode of conversations from a room so i've been checking out your work and i can't really put a a, a, sort of an idea of what it is that you do i see that you're a graphic designer you're a photographer are you a writer as well or i guess you're just a content creator i
1: I like to categorize like what i do is just Just simple, an artist. I like to consider myself an artist. Sure. Um, Of many different forms. I started- A ventriloquist. Yeah. (laughs) A fire breather. Maybe one day. (laughs) Literally, maybe one day.
0: (laughs) What is it? A jack of all trades, but a master of none. Master of none. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: And I think that that's kind of like literally that phrase right there is, okay, so when I started this- like creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. I started with acting, actually. I started with acting. What did you, um, did you in with, school? I know that you're an actor, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a late bloomer. My freshman year of college, to my junior year of college, I did acting, so mm-hmm. I auditioned for a couple plays that I bombed because I was insanely nervous. You got a bomb. Uh, it's part of it. But I got I got a, I got a couple bombs, bro, mm-hmm. but I ended up doing voiceover acting for a little bit and my voice got landed on Netflix for the show called Fauda. Fauda. And that was like, like my first big break. Was this in Spanish? No, it was actually in English. I'm a Miami native and I love Miami to the core of me, but... I don't speak Spanish well. I actually don't speak Spanish at all, dude.
0: <laughs> I am the exact same. So yeah. I grew up in Miami. I am Hispanic. I am Puerto Rican and Cuban. My I tell people that my Spanish is equivalent to Tarzan speaking English. <laughs> that is exactly what my Spanish oh is. Oh my
1: god! I'm 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 gonna steal that. I like have to see. Please, that. please. Yeah. It's like
0: it's only fragments. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I can order a meal at a restaurant. I yeah. can buy a bus ticket. I've been
1: able to get by, but yeah, that's that's actually a nice like a little analogy. But yeah, you know, so being from Miami, that was like my. uh I, It was called the Voiceover Acting Studios, based in Miami, mm-hmm. and that was like my first like taste of kind of being an actor. And but throughout that time, I felt like I realized that, and in film and in acting, everything just for me, it just felt like so long. I Guess it was like the times are changing, and instant gratification kind of was getting implemented into my brain. And I was like, I want more of this good feeling, like to
0: happen a little bit quicker.
1: And I found myself doing a lot of research by watching films and stuff like that. Exactly. And I got really gravitated towards title sequences.
0: That's a that's an art form within itself, really. Oh yeah,
1: hundred percent. I was yeah. like, dude, these titles are gorgeous. And then I was like, you know, let me actually like figure out how to make titles and what what is it about titles that I like. And I realized that it, it was topography, like fonts was this sort of, I feel like gap between me being an artist and expressing myself through fonts. Mm-hmm. That was something that I could do in my own hands that I didn't have to, you know, get a group of people to shoot a short film, go to like a theater class, practice for months, do, do a play, bomb it. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm. I could just fuck up on my own and learn on my own. And, and that's kind of where my graphic design sort of endeavors sort of began. So when you ask, like what I am, I'm currently a graphic designer mainly. I've picked up I pick up gigs like photography and stuff like that. I have my own business. The brainwave is my own business that I do a lot of creative services.
0: What's it called? Brainwave. The brainwave. The brainwave. Okay.
1: I, I found it during college as well because I, I like looked up synonyms of perception
0: because
1: mm-hmm. watching movies. I remember when I would watch watch movies and talk about movies to other people that movie buffs, you know, film buffs. Everyone had like different opinions on films, and I loved the idea of perspective and mm-hmm. how my favorite movie is. I may not be your favorite movie, but we can connect on it, you know. Absolutely. Brainwave is a synonym of perception, and then I just added the in front of it to make it a little bit more. particular. Yeah.
0: And I also use brainwave as a way of describing being similar, having similarities to someone like, Oh, we're on the same brainwave. Oh yeah. It's funny that you say, uh, <laughs> I love how <laughs> font is what it was the inception of what got you into graphic design. Yo. <laughs> oh, it's dude, great.
1: Now, now I'm a full blown, like slut for typography, bro. <laughs> like I can talk about kerning and and my favorite sans serif for hours. <laughs> the funny um, thing
0: is it takes sometimes it takes me forty five minutes to start an essay only because I can't choose a font. I know. <laughs> I have to have the most perfect font. No, there's there's a there's a huge limit too. This is a huge random question. But whenever you like to write, what font do you use? I don't know, but it just
1: depends. I mean, I'm not much of a writer. I'm actually a pretty poor writer. Like not 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 creatively, but, but grammarly, you know, like my brother Oh, dude, you don't have shout to shout be- out to Sean for constantly correcting my grammar. <laughs> dude,
0: okay, first of all, there, nowadays you can use you can use grammarly which which constantly corrects my grammar so don't even worry i listen You're right. i have i have the i have the brain uh, the gpa of like a th- a 3 year old so <laughs> and i and i and i i like to write and the thing is that you you have the good thing about writing it's not the same as speaking you have time to edit it you have time to 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 master it and you can go back and you can get your friends opinions and they can change it or they can help you with it so that's the beauty about writing is that it's Mm -hmm. not end-all be-all so you can you can learn and sometimes i learn vocabulary
1: just through writing you know what i mean you're not wrong you're not wrong i've definitely gotten better throughout the years and you know, being able to kind of immerse myself in different sort of art styles, mm-hmm. I have to, to kind of like figure out how to be a better writer and which is like kind of what I'm doing right now. So another reason why I consider myself an artist is because graphic design is what I mainly do. I'm, I love topography and things like that, but I like to express myself in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so like last year I did this personal passion project that was called Time Flies and it was like my own calendar. I made a design on each month on why the month was named that in the first place. So that took a level of researching and and somewhat writing on its own. That's cool. So I'd make a design. I usually would have some sort of copy involved into the design that could correlate the meaning to the design and and kind of further double down on that. So I got I got kind of good with writing with that. Okay. After that project, I really realized that really gravitating towards the idea of doing research about Miami because I'm I'm from here and I love this place and as much as I immerse myself in the, in the history with Time Flies and I was going back in time to the origin of language, I was like, I want to go back in time a little bit to, to Miami and, and, and sort of highlight sort of things in Miami that I feel like sometimes get neglected. And it's all about restaurants and establishments and bars in Miami that have lasted over 30 years. The OGs. I'm making like a book and a documentary series. The OGs, bro. Oh,
0: so this is something you're currently working on now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that I just, I shot like about a week ago. I got like six local photographers that are some of my favorites. And we went to 14 locations in four days. Mm, wow. Um and we, we just took great photos and it's going to become a book and then now I'm going to have to write a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, forced yeah. to become better. I'm forced to become better.
0: Well, the the beauty of a coffee table book that it, there's not that much text in it, you're so right. you're, you'll be okay. You're right. There's a very minor <laughs> amount of text. But that's the thing though. I mean, look, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to consider yourself a Hemingway or a, a Fitzgerald. Like mm. you write it in your own voice and that's what people will appreciate about it is that it's true. the photography speaks for itself. They want to hear the artist behind it they don't care what words you use they want to even get that miami sort of swag that is part of your personality so
1: whatever it may be yeah
0: yeah i put myself down all the time about writing i'm like no one's gonna want to read my stuff but who knows man you know who knows who knows yeah you never know
1: if it's in your style and it means something to you then then it'll probably mean something to someone else you know exactly i'm getting to this point where i'm like immersing myself in this idea and i feel like i'm going back to like where I started my artistic endeavors and I wanna get a little bit more into maybe like a personality for this whole project. So, and I like to kind of immerse myself in sort of ideas at certain points in time, but I love to kind of go back to maybe who I was when I was younger or sort of projects that I worked on and kind of make it a culmination currently. So that's what I would say represents me right now.
0: You know what you are? You're like one of those Disney stars who has her own show and then has and then and then 2 years later comes out with their own album. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's coming soon, dude. <laughs> well, hey, listen man, let's get into the theme of the show. I love how you were saying how uh, you love talking about film and music and, and stuff that you can really relate to other artists with. So the first topic that I'd like to talk about in the show is film and the films that we grew up with, the films that we watched throughout our lives that really spoke to us or changed us. And I have the three main questions. Cool. What is one of your favorite films? Okay. What's one of your guilty pleasure films? And what is one of the worst movies you've ever seen? Ooh, okay.
1: Uh, I'm going to start with the worst one.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I literally, this is like probably like 10 years ago. Oh, no. I saw this movie called The American Poop Movie. The
0: American Poop
1: Movie? Literally, The American Poop Movie, if I'm not mistaken. I saw this. I did see this when I was like a sophomore in high school, and I'm like fucking 27 now. Hold but on. I think it was called The American Poop Movie. And that this shit was so bad. It was unbearable because for the longest time, my worst movie was Crossover. It was the worst best movie ever created. Crossover is incredible, but then I saw the. Is it? Did you find it?
0: Yes, it's a real film. And the funny thing is, you can already assume because it kind of speaks for itself. Dude. It, the movie's the movie's basically called the shit film. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I love how it's on the on the cover. It says. Unrated. Remember back in like the two thousands, they would just slap unrated on, on every, and be like, yeah, ooh, yeah. on everything. Be like, what yeah. the fuck does that even? I don't mean? even know what that means. Like, like, how is unrated worse than rated R? <laughs> you know what I, mean? I love the tag. The tagline is "Life after college is crap." And here we go. Let me explain the cover. It's a woman dressed in a very seductive outfit, holding a plunger. Oh, wait, here's, here's, wow, here's a, here's a tag, not a tagline, a, a quote on the poster from Let's Talk Turkey. Fucking, yeah, that's a great endorsement. <laughs> it's called, they say, the most outrageous American teen sex romp comedy since Porky's. Excuse me? Since Porky's? On, Porky's. Who the fuck cares about Porky's? <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, I'm telling you,
1: that fucking movie is so bad too. Like, uh-huh. I, I think I sat through like 30 minutes to an hour of it. And you watched that this movie, 10 years ago? I watched this like 10 years ago. Okay. Because you know why? Back in the day when you had like Comcast, DirecTV, whatever. Sure, sure. You just went to the free movies panel. You could just watch a fuck ton of free movies. Yeah. That, that has to be the worst one that I've seen. And you know, it's a kind of a close, it like beat Crossover by a little bit. Crossover is like the American Poop movie and Crossover are like probably the two worst movies I've ever seen. Okay,
0: can you guess what year? the american poop movie came out uh 2000 i'm gonna guess 2007 oh you were close 2006 oh i was gonna say six and here's a little here's a fun little trivia do you know what year crossover came out it's 2006 too dude 2006 must have been a bad year for you (laughs) because all you were doing was watching shitty movies (laughs) ones that stuck with you for the rest rest. of your life all right i gotta talk about american poop movie real quick i'm looking at some (laughs) of the character names the first two character names like the leading cast, attractive girl number 1 and attractive girl number 2. After that is Bud Supersteak. <laughs> After that one of the characters is just called bitch. <laughs> and it's played by a dude. Wow. Uh, dude, I'm glad that I'm able to put you on
1: to, to absolute dog shit. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like the room, right? Or is it the room or room? Yeah, I mean, the room. Like, like the uh,
0: Tommy... Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. It's it's one of those... It's like that. Okay, but do you remember it being so bad that it was good? Or it was just bad, bad?
1: I feel like when I was younger, I didn't have... Uh... Maybe a gauge on something like, "Oh my god, this is so bad that it's amazing." Of
0: course, I don't think you start appreciating stuff like that until you start smoking weed. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. And then you start laughing for for nothing. Yeah, because then the irony of film starts to sort of take its place, as opposed to was this supposed to be good or not? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so now crossover is a completely different movie because it looks like it's a basketball film. Basketball film.
1: It's yo low key, low key. It's probably not that bad. I just remember it being really bad.
0: It's funny because it stars anthony mackie and wayne brady they're showing like a reel of the trailer on imdb and for anyone who's wondering crossover looks like if the fast and furious franchise tried to make a basketball film (laughs) that's what the aesthetic of this movie looks like oh my
1: god dude that's so spot on yeah
0: but like the original not the new ones like fast Two. if like fast and furious and that movie roll bounce (laughs) made it had a baby a movie baby it would be this one
1: (laughs) a movie baby yeah uh too fast too furious i feel like i can see
0: it i can see it probably around the same time where everything was just like shiny for some reason why was everything i know literally it's like
1: it was shiny and then some films that had denzel washington was just straight sepia (laughs) it's like they were obsessed with sepia
0: yeah it's like all his movies were shot in mexico city (laughs) yeah why? and why was that
1: the aesthetic of mexico city just sepia i don't know and
0: glass i don't know man yeah and then Wes Anderson just basically incorporated <laughs> it to all his films since then, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a muted, a
1: muted sepia.
0: What about a good movie? Want you want to discuss uh, one of your yeah. like? What's one that stands out?
1: Well, guilty, guilty pleasure. I kind of want to. I kind of want to stick to that one. Sure, I really, absolutely. I've been trying to think about. Which movie that I just like, I hate that I love, but I love it. I mean, an easy answer is The Longest Yard. It's not even a guilty pleasure at this point.
0: Oh, okay. So there's, there's the original and then there's the remake. The remake with Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. That's a yeah. good movie, though. I really enjoy that movie.
1: I think that's also 2006, by the way. I don't know what was up with
0: Holy me shit, man. 2006 was, a, was. you know what? No, no, I'm sorry. It was 2005. Oh, shit. Okay, close. Close, though.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I had a PSP. And I would watch Without a Paddle, 8 Mile, and The Longest Yard on cycle. Mm -hmm. It was like
0: repeat cycle (laughs) weekly. At least at least you had some contrast. (laughs) There was contrast. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I like to think on the days where you're just like, you know what? Today's going to be an 8-mile day put that on and other days we're just like I had a pizza party at school I think I'll watch without a paddle
1: (laughs) literally bro yeah yeah. literally so that's great so the longest shard was was one of those that I probably it's not even a guilty pleasure because it's it's a good fucking movie bro but you
0: know what that's a perfect guilty pleasure because it's not like it's not like oh my gosh this is like top 100 AFI movies like best movies of all time it's just like a fun cozy like Saturday night like let's just put something on you can enjoy it you can watch it from any part you can start it in the middle you could start it at the the end yeah. like twenty minutes before it ends. Be like, oh, I love this scene. Yeah, you know, 100%. it's that's the thing about Adam Sandler. It's like you can talk shit about some of his movies, but he his the amount of quantity that he's made. It's it, for him. It's it's like quantity over quality.
1: Another one. Just just go with it. Just go with just it. Just go with it. Yeah, is is another guilty pleasure. I've seen just go with it pro- easily like twenty times. Adam Sandler to me, like growing up, my dad kind of looks like Adam Sandler a little bit. Really. So. Growing up, dad time, Adam Sandler time, they, they were synonymous. Yeah. And like, I just felt comfort with Adam Sandler. And-
0: like late 90s, mid 2000s, like the Adam Sandler movies were just, there was something special about the man. They just, oh, yeah. still to this day, like my dad loves watching Waterboy. Yeah. oh we'll watch like Happy Gilmore. Like all those movies are so much fun. But yeah, the longest yard's good. That's oh, a good one dude. because it's like it was like right before Click. Oh my God, Click! That was another great one.
1: You know where it kind of fell off for me? It was like Funny People. Yeah, like Funny People. That sort of series never hit for me.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean by that one. Yeah, but I I enjoyed Funny People because I think I went into it expecting it was going to be like this laugh out loud comedy, and it wasn't. So I mm-hmm. was like, you know what? I can kind of respect this. Actually, it's I can kind of I, I kind of liked that it. it's pretty grounded. I think it was even a Judd Apatow film, so I was like, I like this. That is true. It had like that sort of dry comedy.
1: Speaking of Judd, bro, Judd may be involved but you ask best film i mean dude hands down favorite movie of all time one of them for sure is super bad
0: oh super bad is great man when that movie came out i and i think i don't know about you how old are you by the way i'm 27 27 okay so i think i was in high school when that movie came out so it was like the perfect time oh jesus i thought you were my age no dude i'm 32 Jesus, bro, you look young as fuck. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, um, I moisturize. I love it. I I thought about this the other day. People keep saying I'm young. It's funny because I've never like (laughs) held a shovel in my life. (laughs) Now, I've dug a hole. (laughs) I've dug my own grave once or twice, but then I just changed my mind halfway through. (laughs) Like, you know, I I think I still got some life in me. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah, super bad at that age. Let me see what year came out. Oh, wait, wait. Let me guess. Let me guess.
0: Super bad 2009. Ooh, close. Let's go down seven damn yeah man seven i was a i was a sophomore when this movie came out so yeah this felt like quintessential high school for me man like all the things that these guys were going through i felt it yeah it spoke to my core man like the having to like buy alcohol underage and then imagining like you either going to jail or someone there's a scene where he tries to buy alcohol and he has like three different scenarios of of it going bad and one of them is the security guard slits his throat and then just blood goes (laughs) everywhere (laughs) Oh my I mean, God. it's just—it's such a well-written film, and um, so I don't know if you know this, but it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's Seth Rogen and uh, Evan Goldberg, like Evan Goldberg. yeah, Okay, so it wasn't Judd Apatow. The, the director is Greg Mo- Motila. That sounds like a fake name. Did the director do any anything
1: substantial after that? I I, I I I read the IMDb the other day, and I was like, let me see, let me see, because I always get confused because Judd Apatow wrote a couple other films with Seth Rogen. Greg
0: Motila is the director of Superbad. It says here that his previous films were. Crossover and the American poop movie. <laughs> <laughs> this man popped off. Holy shit, what a fucking twist. <laughs> Imagine. But anyways, yeah, man, like Super Bad, hands down one of the one of the best films of all time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Seth Rogen and, and Evan Goldberg has have made like their writing partners, they've made a bunch of great yeah. films together. And apparently apparently they wrote Superbad based on their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I just think that's incredible. But there's so many great ca- I mean that is people became famous from this movie. I mean you have
1: Dude M- Michael Sarah. Dude.
0: Michael, Sarah, Jonah Hill, and then you have the guy who plays uh, McLovin. Dude. I mean, that's like a that is like everyone knows McLovin now because of that film. Emma Stone, yeah, dude. Emma Stone too. I mean, she 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 wasn't really big before this. I mean, she, these this was like a breakout film for a lot of these people. it, had,
1: it also had Bill Hader too? Bill Hader like, as the
0: cop, hilarious, and Seth Rogen actually hilarious. played the cop as well, which was just so, two, yeah. just a wonderful. Yeah, there's like the one liners in this film, the bits every every single almost every
1: single line in that movie is. Like a joke
0: and you know how you know this movie did well it's because my cuban mother likes this movie you know what i mean it's it, it <laughs> yeah. like even though it's like this very uh lowbrow comedy when it when it's like it's mostly dick jokes and like hooking up and trying to buy beer underage yeah. it's done in such a way where everyone can relate to it and everyone can relate to this high school experience yeah it's yeah, just yeah. yeah it's very well done that's a
1: great one another one that i really 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 love that i could just talk about for hours is Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I I think it's like a movie that everybody should watch because it means so much to... I think it could really help a lot of people who internalize their feelings Mm -hmm. and like don't know how to handle their emotions. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I saw it, I was like 15. I think it changed me, dude. Like I was like, oh, I don't have to like keep my emotions in all the time. I can, because then I can externalize them in a bad way, you know? Yeah. That movie really changed the way I looked at life. And that's why I think it's so important.
0: Yeah. And it's really incredible, you know, when you find out that it was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck when dude, they were like, te- they were teens. In college, dude. man. They were kids when they wrote this film. So, oh my God. The structure of that film is like crazy. And also, believe it or not, this was the only Oscar that Robin Williams ever got. I mean, so well deserved, dude. Oh, he was incredible in this film. Oh my God. Let me see. Goodwill Hunting. You want to guess the year? 98. No, uh, one more down. 97. 1997. So, obviously, you know, at this time, you were pretty young. When did you first watch Goodwill Hunting?
1: I watched Goodwill Hunting um, for the first time when I was in high school, actually. I was. Okay, cool. That's a good time to see it. Yeah. I, I, I was. My first year in film was when I was a senior. Shout out to Moreno at Ferguson. Mm-hmm. This man, like, he was so sick, bro. We started the year. It, it sucked because I wanted to be an actor throughout high school, but I just. I play basketball. I just didn't take, I didn't take that shit serious. Mm -hmm. But my last year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take film. So at the beginning of the year, he gives you like this waiver that your parents have to sign in order to like watch all the movies that he's going to play that year. And, Every parent signs it, and you, we watched fucking Good Will Hunting, Leon the Professional, Fight Club. We saw all these incredible classics. Fear and <laughs> Loathing, <laughs> dude. I think we saw Fear and Loathing too. I'm not lying. Really? This okay. man like played the classics. You know, Memento, like
0: whatever. Yeah, Memento. I think Memento is amazing. Oh my god, that's David Fincher's first film, right? Um, I no, I think that's Christopher Lo- Nolan. Oh, that's Christopher Nolan. I can double check. Double check, because you may you may be Memento. right. Oh no, I'm thinking of who invented Mentos. That was Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Yeah, Christopher Nolan was, it was written and directed by Christopher Nolan and his brother, Jonathan Nolan. But go ahead. So uh, you had a teacher who really basically opened your eye to film. Yeah,
1: he really did. And it was like, it was like modern film. And like, don't get me wrong. My mom is a young mom and I like, I literally saw Pulp Fiction for the first time when I'm not lying to you. I think I was like
0: six or (laughs) wow, I sort of got, but you probably, did you understand it? No, but I
1: always remember the the stabbing scene in the chest.
0: <laughs> Your mom had to pause it and she had to explain to you what a heroin
1: overdose was. So that is heroin. And I'm not lying. My mom was very young and like she was always very, she had like a different sort of style in which she raised me and my brother. And I think she did do that. I think she was like, hey, like this is, that's a real hardcore drug. And Of like,
0: course, of course. You have to be
1: honest with them. Yeah. Yeah. She, that's why you don't want to do it because you could die. So I remember being young and like, oh shit. I'm I'm a little traumatized by that scene. But it's also a movie. But I know that I'm gonna never do drugs, and that's why I, I don't do drugs. Yeah. So when I saw when I saw like a movie like Good Will Hunting, when I was a little bit older, I had seen a lot of good classic films at, to that point. But that one just really like stood out to me, and I don't know. I just I cry every time I watch it. And it's just such a beautiful cry every
0: time. There's that really powerful scene at the end with Matt Damon's monologue, and he's kind of breaking down in front of Robin Williams, and. And I think Robin Williams—I might be paraphrasing—but he says he tells him something like, "It's okay, it's not your fault," or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's not your fault. Yeah, the, it's not your fault scene.
0: And he's not really—he's not really like talking about anything specific. He's just telling him like, whatever you feel guilty of, whatever you think that you're putting all this weight on your shoulders, it's not your fault.
1: You know that movie just it, it meant a lot to me. And then the one last movie that I have to mention, Cat in the Hat, is one. <laughs> <laughs> and just, Everyone loves Mike Myers. <laughs> no, that I have to mention that I think is a movie that most people don't know, but I like it for its rawness and how I think movies are the best movies to me are the ones that make you feel something, of course.
0: Absolutely. And this
1: yeah. fucking movie made me feel Worried, scared, and like, who the fuck made this? So it's this movie called Bully. Bully, and I think it was written by. uh What's this fucker's name that wrote Kids?
0: That wrote Kids. Is it from two thousand and one? It is from two thousand and one. Okay, on. Larry Clark. Larry Clark. So Larry Clark wrote Kids, no? He did. Yeah, he did. He did a movie called Kids. Yes, from nineteen ninety five. Have you ever have you ever seen Kids? I've never even heard of any of these movies. No,
1: Kids. Okay, dude, Kids is another fucking great film. Okay, wow. This is a nice little twofer.
0: Yeah, the way that I'm looking at it now, they look like very low-budget, independent films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: Kids is a really... like. Do you know Mac Miller? Mm -hmm. So Mac Miller's first mixtape was called Kids, and it was named after this movie. Oh, wow. Dude, if you've never seen Kids, you have to like... Literally stop what you're doing and watch kids because kids is like, by no means is it a good storyline movie. I think it's actually pretty poorly written. It's like kind of all over the place.
0: So what about it really sticks out to you? The
1: rawness, dude. This guy, Larry Clark, literally went to like New York and he found these kids. Mm-hmm. Kids is all about just like kids growing up in New York, just fucking doing drugs and... And having sex. And the whole premise of the movie is that the one main character, he gives this other girl like an STD and she like almost dies. But it's all it's more so about the lifestyle. Like it's super low budget. And there's literally like I'm not lying to you, like nine year olds, 10 year olds, like smoking weed. And I think they actually smoked weed in the movie. It was like very, very, very controversial when it came Mm. out. 'Cause it was so raw.
0: Yeah, it's kinda like this gorilla style. Like maybe there was a script, but it was maybe they had like this idea of letting everyone kind of just flow and, and figure out yeah. what, what where they were going. Yeah, I, I yeah, I could see that. There's
1: this one scene in kids that, you know, it's probably one of my favorite movie scenes Like ever, and it's when they're at like the skate park. I think it's actually Washington Square Park, if if you're familiar with New York. Yeah, it may be. I may be wrong. They're like skating around. They're like smoking weed. They're like getting high. It just it's after this like little sequence where they talk about how to roll a blunt, whatever. This kid's high. His name's Casper, one of the main characters. He's like skating, and then he like bumps into this guy, and the guy's like, "This is like back in the '90s too. So it was very like New York was very rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was like that at the time. And and he's like, "Yo, my bad." And the guy's like, "Yo, watch where the fuck you going, dude." that kid Casper and him and his 10 friends literally beat the living shit out of the guy yeah. that was like, yo, watch where you're going. And they like spit in his face and it's just so like, yeah, it's real. It's such a raw scene. Yeah. It's really, really real. Yeah, you
0: have to kind of, you know, whether these films are controversial or not, you kind of have to, appreciate the the actors how they really commit to this like you know artistic value of, of a film like there's no yeah. they, they don't have like big blockbuster producers behind it they're just making something real you know and it's like literally but, but do a drama this way i mean that's tough mm-hmm. man that's really tough it's kind
1: of like mind-blowing and it was written by the guy that actually i was thinking of originally was this guy uh, harmony corinne He's like very, he's pretty famous in like the sort of like maybe the multifaceted artist world. Okay. Which is why I'm bringing up Bully because it's, it's based on a true story. It's about these kids out here in Hollywood, Florida. They conspired to kill the, this kid in their friend group. And he was like the bully, mm. fucking pissed everybody off. He was a piece of shit, like literally the definition of a bully. Is you hate this guy in the film. You know the main character kind of gets annoyed by the bully, and then everyone at the, in the friend group also at the same time starts so getting annoyed of the bully, and they conspire to kill him. And the scene where this guy, this guy is getting killed, is probably the most raw killing in a movie I've ever seen. Like, oh my god, it's so it's so wild. It's actually, it's a little uncomfortable to watch, like the whole movie
0: itself. Yeah, it's tough to work on a film like this, especially at a young age, because, you know, film as it is already, it's a very mm-hmm. mentally exhausting job because you're putting yourself in a situation where you have to be very vulnerable. Sometimes it can be very overwhelming and, and it, it, can, it can, psychologically, it can be very, you know, daunting. Mm-hmm. And so a film like this for young people, yeah, it's it's crazy, but they seem to have pulled it off. They seem to have made a good performance out of it and you know, still came out and made some good work.
1: It's a, it's a fucking great movie, dude. It's, it's
0: wild. So Kids from 1995 and Bully from from 2001. Check it out. So let's get into music, man. I love score music. I love stuff like that. Do you listen to any score music?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorites that I actually used when I did the Time Flies, when I made the calendar, Mm -hmm. I went to school for advertising. So Mm -hmm. something that I really wanted to do a little bit different when I came out with this product was how i advertised it i wanted it to, it to be as something as mundane as a calendar i'm like okay how how fun and creative can i get to like you know showcase this product
0: how can this be different from any other calendar
1: no literally and like yeah, yeah. not only that but like how could i i got this crazy product it has every day of the week and you don't really fucking need it because everyone got it on their fucking phone
0: exactly. but hey you're you're basically, yeah you're basically trying to sell us a calculator no no literally you feel me so but there's pictures on it but just
1: fucking, it's all about the history of time and everyone's- like, Every month of the year has a different photo. Like, you get it. You feel me? There's a, there's a lot of reasons to not buy a calendar, obviously. It's probably more- I, lo- I
0: have a calendar on my wall. I love like, it's the aesthetic of like an apartment. Home
1: decor item. So, you know, I was like, okay, I have to market it in a, in a fun and cool way. So I did a lot of really fun and creative ads to like market it. And one of them, um, I was inspired by- the uncut gems. Oh, score! The uncut gem score. Really? Yeah, yeah. One of them is the ballad of
0: Howie Bling. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And that's a that's a very unsettling sort of soundtrack too. No.
1: No. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's one of my top favorite scores. But that score specifically, that song specifically, was a direct inspiration to like this idea that I had where so it was a very short ad. It was like fifteen seconds. But I had this vision of like just a still one shot, maybe a little bit tight. And it slowly pans out. Slowly pans mm-hmm. out. tight shot of this guy. He looks like he's vandalizing this wall and he's like scared. He has like this like tape or, you know, he's like, there. He's like, fuck, I hope I don't get caught. The cop, he says, like, oh, if you vandalize, he's there taping it. He like gets scared. He drops everything. He runs. And then you see my calendar is what he was vandalizing. Like a second later, I run after him and I kind of look like a cop Mm. and then it's like, just don't get caught. So it's like, if you vandalize, just don't get caught. Mm. And that was the whole ad. And then it like zoomed into the calendar on this like brick wall. And then it, had, it said, like, time flies, you know, out now. And but you like,
0: had this music kind of playing to try to bring it all together. Yep. Sort of amplifying the feeling of this uh, of this video and, like, what the calendar is supposed to represent. Or, or just, like, a, a, cool, a cool way to really showcase this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
1: the, the song is what kind of inspired that whole ad. And then my boy made an original score for it that was somewhat similar because I didn't want to get, like, any copyright.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay, good, good. So this is the, origi- this okay, is the original okay. song. Yeah, it's very airy, kind of dreamlike. So the the artist or the the musician, the composer is Daniel Lopatin. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think as you say, like
0: Lopuchin or some shit like that. Okay, but yeah, cool.
1: Lopuchin. That score, really inspired me in a lot of ways so it's probably one of my one of my favorite scores yeah. that's
0: amazing that's a great one too man I have to go back and listen to that awesome. and, and, and a great film too you know it's like a film is only as good as it's score really yeah bro it's the icing on the cake man
1: I love a good score
0: what about some stuff that you listen to that's like your guilty pleasure music or your pump up music maybe you're you're directing something and you want to just yeah, like yeah. put some shit on and you're like this is my jam
1: regular music um,
0: just regular good old
1: regular classic music whatever's on
0: power 96
1: <laughs> no um <laughs> I mean I I go through a lot of cycles with, with music yeah, same. I'm, like, constantly listening to shit. But right now, I would say my fucking cup of tea and my flavor is this new Teasel Touchdown album. How Do You Sleep at Night? I don't know if you've heard it. Who's this? This guy, Teasel Touchdown. Teasel, Teasel Touchdown. Touchdown. He's this dope artist from Texas. He's been in the game for a while. Funny enough, he actually, like, started his career on directing music videos. And then, okay. like, made music. He would direct music videos to, like, pay for his studio time. He's one of these, what I would say is, like, a generational talent that... A guy that like comes in, you can't really confide him in a box and you can't really like say what type of music he makes because he just makes a bunch of different stuff. Okay. And I think it's just a testament of his like creativity. Sure, sure. His boundlessness. So he's a really, really interesting artist that I really love right now.
0: There's probably a reason why you kind of resonate to him because it sounds like you're describing yourself. Like you can't really put a finger on on what it is you, what you are and what you do. You're just a creator. And yeah. he doesn't want Thank to define himself as any other, other sort of genre as well. He just wants to make stuff and he yeah. wants to be someone who isn't known as like, oh, this guy does that or this guy does this. Yeah. He wants to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First of all, a great fucking name. Tizo Touchdown. Sick name.
1: He like got his big break during 2020. He made like an anti-gun song. Mm-hmm. Or he had a girlfriend that died to like gun violence and then he made like this anti-gun song. He's also really famous because he has a bunch of nails in his head in um, his hair.
0: He's like, what's that movie? Uh, Hellraiser. Oh, he's like, he's literally, he's literally like Hellraiser, bro. That's amazing. He's sick. So, but wait, yeah. the nails in his head. It's just like a, just like a publicity thing, right? It's not. He doesn't really act.
1: It's like a gag, I think. Not a gag, but okay. He's been rocking the nails in his head since 2020, I think, or maybe a little bit. But are
0: they that. in his head? Or They're like in or his, are they his
1: hair. Like- I don't know. It's it's like this. It's like a style, and like this, it's like I think like it's like a constant conversation he has. The reason why he named this first album was "How Do You Sleep at Night?" was because of that, because people are always like, "Oh my god, how do you sleep at night?" And that
0: album just came out this year. "How Do You Sleep at Night?" It's, yeah, twenty twenty three. What's a song on that album you recommend? It came out like a couple weeks ago.
1: "Sweet" is really really good. I love "Impossible" a lot. I love "Daddy Mama Drama." That one's fire. Everyone can relate to that. So that's a good one. And then another album that I really really like right now is. um Black classical music by Yusef days okay it's another really good jazz record that came out not that long ago too. okay
0: so black classical music is the name of the album and actually also came out this year 2023 I feel
1: like I'm constantly like my mental creative sense of what I'm thinking of is kind of always in the past like I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about
0: old shit you're an old soul
1: I think I have a, a little bit of a, an affinity towards an old soul but I, I really like listening to new music yeah. and I've always loved listening to current new music because there's no better time to be alive than right
0: now. Absolutely, man. It's just living in the now, enjoying everything that you're getting right now and really soaking it all in. What type of
1: music do you listen
0: to? I'm the same way as you. Is it? I go back and forth. Yeah, literally always. Yeah, like... it's, it's, it's interchangeable, man. I'm, I'm always listening to stuff. But I love stuff that has like this really raw authenticity to it yeah. that almost makes it feel like it's from a different time, even though it's an mm-hmm. album that came out two weeks ago, you know? That's the
1: best part about it.
0: Here's the thing. I, yeah, like I said, I listen to mostly, I guess, I don't even want to call it classical, but just like instrumental music. Mm. And there's this one group called the Holland Patton Public Library. It's sort of like the same artist who worked on Uncut Gems. Yeah, David Chapin. Yeah, that. it's very kind of dreamy, airy just it resonates in a way where it it connects you to your innermost your deepest senses so songs like that that do that to me i resonate with the hardest and because i like to create because i like to to write my own stuff it it kind of ignites something in my brain that really helps me think creatively and i think music plays a very important part in that What's a book that you would love to recommend to the audience? Um, I'm not much of a reader as much as I think
1: that I would want to be.
0: Let me tell you this right now. Every single guest I've had on has said that. So don't be ashamed. Don't worry. You're right. Nowadays it's hard, man. People we have it audiobooks is, and is. shit because there's no time. But I have one. Low key, the only
1: book that I've ever read. Yeah.
0: I, I've read I've read books. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> but I haven't read a book. Yeah, you I know hear what I mean. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Literally like that, right? So the book that I have read um, that I do highly recommend is this book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Whoa. It's really important and pivotal to my, my adulthood and my current mental state as being an adult. I think a good amount of success to it to this book. It's in the similar in a similar world as The Alchemist. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is another book that I've read. I've read that <laughs> fucking book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the Monk who Sold his Ferrari, it's about this guy who, you know, he owns a law firm, mm. he has a Ferrari, He's a very successful man. And after, you know, some time of his career, the beginning just explains, like his, a little bit brief history of his life. Yeah. It's fictional, by the way. He one day collapses in this courtroom and everyone's like, oh my God, what happened to this man? He wakes up, he realizes that, you know, oh shit, I haven't really been taking care of my body. I haven't really been taking care of myself. And I have this sort of revelation that I have to discover the real meaning of life. He then gives his law firm to his son, which is telling the story, which I also some coincidence his name is Julian Mm, look at that
0: another reason why I really love that book and the book came out in 2006 wow look at that that's great are you serious no (laughs) oh I was like oh my god Came out in 1999. Sick.
1: So yeah, he gives everything away, gives it all up and he goes to discover the true meaning of life and to meet these monks. You know, the book is just about his trip up these mountains and who he meets. And like I said, it's similar to The Alchemist in the sense we're told from like a third perspective and it's a lot, it's very conversational. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great way for, I think psychologically for us to like take a step out of our own lives, read about someone else's life, and then relate it to us. This book just gives like these 10, the true meanings of life. Mm. For one, it changes the way I just handle stress. And I think I handle- Yeah, the way
0: you perceive things. Yeah.
1: The way I perceive my life, I amount a lot of it to this book. There's one point in the book where it says, you know, our mind is the world's most powerful tool. Whatever your internal look of the world is, that's what your world becomes. And I actually always had that book on my nightstand in my house that I lived in for like two, three years before I moved to New York. And I never picked it up. I didn't even know what the fuck it was about. I just had it there. And then I took it with me to New York and then I started reading it and I was like, oh, this is actually a really good book.
0: It was almost like it was meant for you. you know? Low it was key. just like everything that that book had went through was to land on your nightstand and for you to one eventually one day pick it up. Pick
1: it up and read it. It couldn't have probably happened at a better time. So I just recommend that book to a lot of people just because I think being able to really like train your mind to handle stress like Mm -hmm. is really important i think that book also says like it's not about what happens in your life it's about how you handle it all those little key things that i read at that age and and that that book taught me like it's made me a, a better adult and a better person we can't control what happens in our life but what you can control is how you handle it just a big piece of advice that i give to myself every day
0: What do you think you were in your past life? Whoa, damn. Whether or not you believe in reincarnation.
1: I don't know. I don't really like to think about it too deeply. But if reincarnation does exist, I would hope that I was like was like a dolphin or some shit. Like something in the ocean. <laughs>
0: Really, you would be in the ocean. I feel like the ocean would be so frightening for me.
1: I feel like it is kind of frightening, but I also feel like. But
0: if you're a dolphin, you're basically like you're a cowboy man. Yeah, you're
1: pretty up there, you know. No you can protect gonna,
0: yourself. Like you're, you're cool. Like you're cool. You're funny. And everyone loves dolphins. Everyone man. loves they're dolphins. Like,
1: they're smart. Like they're cool. They're funny. <laughs> yeah, they're sexy. <laughs> 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 yeah, so you know, yeah. I think they're they're cool. They're funny, like they're, they're very full of life. They're also really smart. Yeah, incredibly smart. Sure. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Yeah, fucking yeah. dolphin. Dude. You have a blowhole.
0: That's always fun.
1: Bl- <laughs> yeah, I wonder how they use that shit. You know, in the bedroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, babe, my blowhole's a little dry. Can put some lotion on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> dolphin would have been cool.
0: All right, this is this or that. Ready? I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. And you tell me this or that. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Indiana Jones or Han Solo? I don't really know
1: either too much, but I'm going to say Han Solo. Okay.
0: Audiobook or book book? Book book. Whiskey or beer? Tequila. (laughs) Tequila. I feel like you said that before I even finished.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's tequila all day.
0: I'm actually drinking tequila right now. (laughs) Okay, go sports, or who cares who won the game? Get over yourself. Nah, go sports, bro. Come on.
1: Arsenal fan, Heat fan, Dolphin. Arsenal fan? Arsenal, yeah. Soccer.
0: Oh, uh, there you go. I'm a fan of Arsenal. I'm a fan of fucking breaking the law. (laughs) Nah, soccer team. Soccer team. Sleepless in Seattle or When Harry Met Sally?
1: I've never seen When Harry Met Sally. I saw Sleepless in Seattle for the first time like a year ago. Loved it. Coen Brothers or Tarantino? Oh, dude, that's so hard. I haven't seen many Coen Brothers films. I mean, I've only seen Fargo. Nah, it's Tarantino. My favorite brother's are, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but the Safety Bros are my favorite bros.
0: Yeah, Safdie Bros are great. And that's another, that's Uncut Gems, man. Good Time is one of my favorite movies. Oh, I fucking love Good Time. Are you kidding me? Fucking Robert Pattinson killed it in that movie. I can't believe that movie exists. Their cinematography, their writing, their storytelling. I mean, those guys are, they're, they're doing it right. Doing it so fucking right. I still can't believe the ending of Uncut Gems. That was a big twist, man. That was like just a shocker, too. For anyone who hasn't seen it, he dies at the end. All right, man. <laughs> those are all the important questions. You know, just just shoot the shit. Have a good time, man. I'm so happy you got to do this with me, man. That was amazing, bro. This was
1: great. I I really I really get the chance to talk about film to someone who knows about film. Mm-hmm. I'm not really surrounded around that world anymore, but it was great shooting the show with you about films. You well, yeah, I'd
0: love to have you back on. We'll we'll do another episode sometime soon. Cool. We'll have a whole episode on the American Poop Story. <laughs> whatever the hell, the fucking whatever movie. But this is my closing question. You ready? Cool. Julian, what is your favorite noise? Damn.
1: I have to really think about this one. (laughs) I do. There's so many good noises. There's really a lot. I actually... You know, I actually really like the noise of a sprinkler.
0: Oh, yes. The and the thing is that it's such a like it's not so much the sound, it's the it's the idea. Yeah. It's like a suburban like early in the morning suburban yeah. neighborhood and you think of like the opening of like a film or something like that. Just like Yeah.
1: I think a sprinkler, it's like a brain scratcher.
0: It is. It's like it's it's technical. There's a rhythm to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's almost like a hi-hat like Yeah. <laughs> It
1: is a kind of a high part that kind of like goes, it bounces off.
0: I love that. Yeah. So I
1: I think it's frankly, that's my answer. All
0: right, buddy. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this, man.
1: Such a pleasure. Yo, test of time, Miami. Follow it. Coming out soon. Book, documentary series. Test of time Miami. It's gonna be cool, man. It's, it's a cool project.
0: I'll definitely share the link on the uh, on the episode notes. Yeah, say less. Good luck with everything. I hope all the best. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. Of course, man, of course. So this is my closer. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a sentence and I'd like you to finish it for me. You ready? Okay. So thank you folks for tuning in to another episode of Conversations from a Room. Have a nice night and
1: Tell your loved ones you love them.
0: All right, guys thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode on your listening platform. Remember to follow and subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. If you have a moment, please, I would love to hear what you guys think about the show. And yeah, make sure you guys follow the show. If you want to get updates on new episodes and please spread the word. If you like the show, tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell that neighbor down the street who you might think is a psychopath, but he might be a cool person. You never know. Get to know him. Knock on his door. Actually don't go there. That's probably a bad idea. But anyways, guys seriously i'd love to hear your thoughts if you want to reach out to the show if you want to be on the show if you have any input at all please reach out and follow the show at conversations from a room on instagram or on discord at conversations from a room reach out i'd love to uh get to know you seriously you the one who's listening anyways episodes are always free and available to listen to on almost every platform where podcasts are enjoyed but that's it guys have a good one be safe and thanks for listening love you all